Numbers 14. And I want to read one verse, and then after that you can be seated. And I don't think we could have a better day than today. It's just a beautiful day outside. A little on the cool side, and not too much humidity. <laughs> My, I'll tell you. And then we come to the house of the Lord and feel the Spirit of the Lord like we have been feeling. Saturday night, Friday night, pardon me, we had a prayer meeting. We had such a great time in God here at the prayer meeting. I want to encourage all of you to come to the prayer meetings. Now, I, I want to be just as plain as I can about the prayer meetings. Let me explain something, you know. The people who don't come and support the prayer meetings are usually the first ones that will complain when services are dead. And uh, th- in other words, let me just put it like this. You are so dependent on people that come to pray to keep the services alive that you wouldn't like it if they didn't come and pray. And if the services were dead, you'd be the first one to complain and drop out. You hear? I'm looking right in the eyeballs of a lot of people this morning. I'm getting off to a good start. <clears throat> I'll give myself a hand. <laughs> Oh, what a great time we had in the prayer meeting, though. I want to encourage you to come and pray this evening just before our service. We have Brother and Sister Brown with us, and they are outstanding missionaries to Belize. Belize is a Central America country. It's very, very remote. Uh, Brother Kasky was down there, I think, last year, and he told me, he said, Brother Grant, I don't know if I've ever been in a country so underdeveloped. I mean, it's just, it's just natural there. I mean, it's really natural. I want to speak today on the subject, a different kind of man. And I read Numbers 14, 24, speaking of Caleb. But my servant Caleb, because he had another spirit with him and hath followed me fully, him will I bring into the land wherein two he went, and his seed shall possess it. Isn't that great? Praise God. He, he had another spirit. And you may be seated. And there are a lot of different spirits in the world today. I mean, a lot of different spirits. Oh, and I want to back up and say it's good to see Brother and Sister Shrammel here and their young one. My, I saw Gary walk in. Looked like he'd uh, probably, he's taken about three or four. Look at that. I'm telling you. Three weeks old. Is it a boy or girl? Another little girl. I'll tell you, isn't that great? Give them a hand, would you? <clears throat> Praise God. Praise God. Good to have them here. Good to have them here. A lot of different spirits in the world today. Uh, of course, a lot of them are associated with the evil spirit that's that's in the world. Uh, this scripture, however, is not making reference to that kind of spirit. I want to read, I have, uh, just for study references, and I would suggest if you really get into the Bible, this is, I have three translations, uh, not three, tra- three volumes, pardon me. This is 26 translations of the Bible, so it gives almost all possible translations. Let me just read some of these. I, I read from the King James Version of the Bible. Most of you use that, and that's the version that I encourage. 
Revised Standard Version says, because he has a different spirit and his descendants shall possess the land. All right, another translation said, because my servant Caleb has a different attitude and has wholeheartedly followed me. Uh, then the Knox uh, version says, my servant Caleb was another, was of another mind. In other words, this man thought differently. One says he had a different attitude. And one says he has a different spirit. But then uh, uh, another version of the Bible, <clears throat> now listen to this. It says, but my servant Caleb is a different kind of man. In other words, he was set aside as a different kind of man because he had a different attitude, because he had a different spirit, because he had a different mind. And uh, how, how important uh, this is. Uh, I, uh, I want to talk about a different kind of man. And we'll talk about Caleb for a while, and then we're going to talk about you in general, and then we're going to talk about you more specifically a different kind of man. A different kind of man. Uh, Joshua and Caleb were the only two uh, people that had left the promised land, uh, no, pardon me, that had left Egypt going to the promised land that were actually able to possess the land. Most of you know this story. You know it quite well. Uh, Israel went out of Egypt. Uh, a lot of history involved uh, in, in this story, a, a lot of different events took place. The children of Israel crossed the Red Sea. Uh, Pharaoh and all of his army, uh, they were completely, completely destroyed in the Red Sea. And you know what I just heard this past week? Um, that the, the satellites taking pictures. It's, it's amazing that the, the, the uh, technology and, and the preciseness of, of the satellites. You know, they, they take these for defense purposes. Uh, a lot of pictures are taken. Uh, they say that from a satellite approximately 100 miles high, they, they can actually photograph a postage stamp on a sidewalk. That's, uh, they, can, they can read the postmark on it. Now, you, you know, if you can, if you can feature uh, how this is done, you're much, much more brilliant than I am or informed than I am because I, I just can't hardly see I can't hardly see that. Uh, I do know this, that they're talking about uh, being able to, uh, to, to track people, keep track of people, especially children, uh, from satellite just by being able to pick up signals. They're talking about putting capsules underneath a small implant underneath the hand or in the forehead and uh, they'll be able to pick up uh, signals from people, and, and they can tell exactly who they are, uh, where they are. And uh, that's kind of a scary thing, isn't it? It really is. And, of course, the reason why they said that they, they put these in, on the forehand of children and in the, in the head is because they contain lithium uh, batteries that are recharged by the change of temperature. And... Their ease, the temperature changes more rapidly in the forehead and on the hand than any other place in the body. Like a little child, when the child, it, it, when he's a suspect of fever, what do you do? You check his forehead. And, and so 
they can just take a needle, like a hypodermic needle, and put that little thing underneath the skin. But at any rate, this is what I heard this past week, that by satellite, they picked up something that was just totally puzzling. And they said there is a spot in the Red Sea where they picked up all of these metal wagon wheels. They call them wagon wheels. And why they're buried underneath the silt of the Red Sea, we can't figure that out. <clears throat> and can you believe that? <clears throat> the chariots were passing through the Red Sea when the Lord allowed it to be swallowed up. Allowed it to be swallowed up. Well, they got into the wilderness on their way to uh, the Promised Land. And, of course, they stopped at Mount Sinai, and it was here that God gave them the Ten Commandments. Also, it was here that the people of, of uh, the Israeli people drastically failed the Lord. It was here that they fell into idolatry. They made a golden calf. They worshipped that. The Bible says they gazed. The Lord told Moses that get down from the mountain, go down where the people are, lest they gaze. In other words, the people uh, began to look to the sides, and they were looking for uh, perhaps backtracking a little in their mind, thinking we can go back to, uh, to Egypt, where we came from. Our leader Moses is in the presence of God. Well, they marched to, to Kadesh Barnea. The word Kadesh Barnea means a place of consecration, and here they were to cross the promised land. They sent across into the promised land. They sent out 12 spies, and when they came back, uh, only Joshua and Caleb of all the, the 12 came back and said, uh, this is a great land. This is the land that God had, had given to us. And this, this is what uh, we, we need to do. We need to go in. We need to possess the land. We need to take the land. Well, <clears throat> the other spies had uh, hurried back. The moment they saw adversity, uh, I mean, they just turned and ran back. And we want no part of this because there are giants in the land. And we, they, they looked at, at all the things that were against them. Now, this is the typical mindset of people today, that when things go wrong, the first thing they do, they look at all the things that are against them. And I would say that there's not one person here in this building that if I sat down with you and asked you to take out a pencil and paper and you began to write all the things that were against you, that I could convince you that life is almost not worth living. You, you mean, we, we could do that. I could discourage you. And, and I believe that there are special agents in the world working for the other side. <laughs> that, uh, that's exactly what, uh, what uh, is, is happening. That, uh, you, you know, you, you can just, there are people that just point out everything that's bad, everything that's bad, everything that's bad. And after a while, you just think, well, life is not even worth living. You just want to give up on, 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 on living. Uh, Brother Manley walked my office this morning. 
he did some moving yesterday, and it was stiff and sore. You know, I, I guarantee you I could set Pastor Manley down as, as full of faith as he is this morning and as, as uh, vigorous and on fire as he is and make him feel like that well, he should stay home from church tonight. My, he's just about dead. <laughs> and in my own mind, without any help from you, uh, I could do the same for myself. I could convince myself that, and I'm in I'm in bad shape. You know, I could just, and, and then then you look at all the other things that stack up against against you. Now this was the mindset of the ten spies, and you know what they said? Well, we might as well to go back to to Egypt. We want to go back. In fact, we like the bondage. Every now and then, I talk to. Uh, people or a person that, that, that feels they should give up. Not too long ago, I, and, and you know what I always tell the people that say that, I think I'm going to give up. I say, if you give up, do you think things are going to get better? Well, usually they say, no, they're, they're not going to get better. Uh, they, they won't. Well, do you think they'll get worse? Well, <laughs> I don't know if they'll get worse or not. Well, you need to just start thinking. You came out. From the world of sin, simply because that that you uh, knew that the bondage of sin was killing you, it was destroying you. You came out of that rat race of life into a glorious walk with God. Now, if you think of returning back to the world, uh, just something wrong with your thinking. And I'm not going to fault you for thinking that way, except that, uh, please. Whatever you do, don't dwell on that very long. I know you; these things flash through your mind. You have those, those, those thoughts. Caleb, I want to talk about him. When Caleb finally entered into the promised land, he was an old, old man. And he still was full of vigor and faith and was ready to go and, and possess the land. The part of the land that God had promised him was... It was uh, was occupied by the Amalekites. My, the Amalekites. You're talking about a, a clever but cowardly bunch they were. The Amalekites always came around and attacked from the rear. They'd take the people that were weak. The soldiers were out front marching, trying to find them. They'd circle around. They'd, they'd grab the people that were weak. You know, that's the way the devil does in the church. He, he'd take a weak person and... Grab that weak person. That weak person may be associated with some strong person. It's through that person that falls that the strong then become weak. And he continues to attack this method. Praise God. But you know, uh, Caleb, uh, he, he was just a, a, a different kind of man. He had a different mind. You'd think in all of this being old uh, that he, he would be discouraged, but he wasn't. Now, God told Israel, because that, that uh, you people have not manifested the faith that, that you should have, uh, what I'm going to do, I'm going to let you wander around in the wilderness for 40 years until all, these, all of you die off. And, and once you all die off, then I'm going to allow the two faithful spies, Joshua and Caleb, along with their descendants, to go into the promised land. 
Now, in the scriptures that I have read, I want to just uh, uh, pick up a few scriptures later, and, uh, and we're just going to talk from these scriptures. Verse 29, Your carcasses shall fall in this wilderness, and all that were numbered of you, according to your whole number, from twenty years old and upward, which have murmured against me. Doubtless ye shall not come into the land, concerning which I have sware to make you dwell therein, save Caleb, the son of Jephunneh, and Joshua, the son of Nun. But your little ones, which ye said shall be a prey, them will I bring in, and they shall know the land which ye have possessed. Now what, what the deal was, the spies even convinced each other. They, they convinced each other, if we go take the little, one, the little ones in the land, they'll be the first ones that are killed. Well, the truth of the matter is, God said, because you would not believe me and trust in me, it's your little ones that's going to go in. I'm going to take the two faithful spies, make great warriors and leaders out of them, take your little ones, they're the ones that are going to possess the land. And all of you cowards, uh, I'm just going to let you wander around in the wilderness until, until your bones are just totally bleached. That's what the Bible says. Verse 32, But as for you, your carcasses, uh, they shall fall in this wilderness. And your children shall wander in the wilderness forty years and bear your whoredoms until your carcasses be washed in the wilderness. My, uh, when you begin to read of all the things that, that, that God said that was going to, to happen to them, uh, it, it, it's, it's, a, it's a pitiful, pitiful story. It's a true story. Uh, but yet, it is a story that is repeated over and over and over because this story represents every person that is making the decision to leave the world and come to God. It also represents every person that leaves the world and comes to God. It also represents every person that leaves the world, comes to God, and then fails. It represents people who leave the world, come to God, have their troubles and trials, and yet continue to walk with God faithfully. The just shall live by faith, the Bible says. Now, God says to these people, said, We're not, uh, I'm not even going to let you see the land. That's, that's, that's the way it is. Now, they marched to Kadesh Barnea. The truth of the matter is, you know, if you get out a Bible dictionary uh, or Bible handbook and you look, it's not far from the Red Sea to Kadesh Barnea. In fact, on the roadways in which existed in the time uh, of the Scripture here, and they did have roads because they weren't paved roads. They were roads that were well-traveled. But uh, most people say that, that, you know, if you had decent transportation, that is, if you had uh, uh, camels or horses or, or mules or donkeys or whatever, that uh, with a small band of people you could probably go there in eight to ten days. It took them 40 years. Uh, walking afoot the way they were walking... Uh, it might take a little bit longer, but not, not a whole lot much longer. Uh, they, they just didn't make it. Uh, they wandered around for 40 years. And, and a trip that should have been a very easy trip, a trip that should have been a very exciting trip. You know, and I, I've seen this when, when uh, the promised land that's spoken of here is, I don't believe that's talking about heaven. 
I believe that's entering into the richest blessings of God's abundant living. And I believe that God can grant to you promised land blessings today. I believe that. I also believe that if you doubt uh, and if you uh, somehow uh, fail God in, in your attempt to pursue the land, uh, you can just uh, sit on a church pew and... and uh, be swallowed up by problems the rest of your life. You can do that. Uh, you can do that. You can get your mind on the negative things. Caleb was a different kind of man. The Bible tells us in, in verse 7 uh, of, uh, of chapter 14, the Bible tells us that, that Joshua and Caleb pled with Israel. Uh, they spake unto all the company of the children of Israel, saying, The land which we pass through to search it, it is exceeding good land. In other words, it's, it's worth fighting for. It's worth putting your confidence and trust in God. Now the thing that, uh, that uh, amazes me about the whole story, and I preached a message on this about four years ago, is that really God never sent them to the promised land to spy out the land to see if they could or could not take the land. That was not the question. It was, it was already given to them. Now, why the spies? The spies were sent out to find out how we are to take the land. They came back and said, we can't. Well, they had just simply missed their assignment. They did not understand the instructions. We were to go over there and find out how we're going to take the land, not whether we can or cannot take the land. And so, as a result... Uh, the ten went over there, missing their assignment, came back and said, We, there is no way. There are giants over there. It's not worth even fighting for. Just let it be. In other words, we'll live out here in all this, this land where we have lived, and, and, and we'll just live out here and wander around and complain about everything. Now, <clears throat> I happen to know people that, that live on that level of thinking, that they, they just... <laughs> I've known people that, got, that have gotten in such a bad habit of being uh, complainers about certain things that, you know, even the best day of their life is not complete unless they find something wrong. They've got to complain about it. It's just, it's, it's, you know, you've got to look to the bright side of things. Well, there's, there's something wrong with everything. As long as you're on this earth, I mean, this earth, <laughs> it, it's full of problems. It is. But, but you have to look to the bright side of it, that there are certain things that are worth living for and worth fighting for. Uh, people just get into this negative, negative way of thinking. Don't you hate to be around someone that you're only around them a few minutes and they bring up some negative something about somebody? Several years ago, I felt led of the Lord to teach on how to, how, how to handle a negative report. In other words, if somebody brings you negative information about somebody, what do you do about it? Because you become just as guilty as they are if you listen to it. And, and it doesn't make any difference whether you believe it or not, but you just listen to it and, 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 and you take no action. I have people come off and tell me things. And this is what they'll say invariably. They say, now, Pastor, you need to know this, but don't you tell a soul. Now, my pat answer on that is this. 
If you don't want me to deal with it, don't clog my mind up with it. Because I sit in here, well, you need to pray about it. Well, listen, you pray about it. But if I can't take action against it, I don't need to even know. Well, this affects the church. If it affects the church, let me take action. In other words, jump in with both feet and correct the things that are bad. Move on to something greater. That's just the way that you have to be. And things were not just, let me tell you something, things were not just a bed of roses when they got in the promised land. But it was a whole lot better than wandering out in the wilderness. And, and so uh, Caleb says, why, this, this is just great land. We, it's exceeding good land. Verse 8, and if the Lord delight in us, then he will bring us into this land. Now notice what he says, if the Lord delight in us. Now how, well, why is the if there? The if is there. Uh, the presumption is that if you do what's right, if you, if you don't miss your assignment, and, well, God's going to be with you. He's going to bring us in. But if you don't fight for it and you don't have faith for it, it's just not going to, it will never become a reality. It absolutely will not become a reality. And you know, it was called the promised land because God had promised it to him. And you know, it, it is great to be able to know that God delights in you. Would you like to know that God's favor is resting upon you and, and, and that God delights in you? He will delight in you if you will believe his promises. And then verse 9, the Bible says, only rebel not against the Lord, neither fear ye the, Lord, the people of the land. My, this is something I feel that's, that, that is, don't rebel against God. Don't resist God. Don't resist His authority. Don't say no to God. I think the greatest compliment you can ever give God is to say, Lord, I believe you. Now, if that's true, then the greatest slap in the face that you could ever give God is to say, oh, no, mm -mm, not me. You hear me? Listen to me. Now, I am really talking to you this morning. I think this is extremely important, extremely important, because I happen to know that some of you are going through some very difficult and trying moments, and what you need to do is just put that, put that faith in God. Just believe God. Just press on through. I, I'm doing this to encourage you that God will see you through, that God is your Redeemer, that, that God loves you and God cares for you, and God is able to do great and wonderful and marvelous things. He can do that. I say God can do that. <clears throat> to rebel against God. It's stated in the book of of Psalms, when this story is, is recaptured and told again by the psalmist, he said, but the children of Israel limited the Holy One. You mean you can, put, you can put the brakes on God? You can actually put the brakes on God. I'll tell you, we need to pull the brakes off of God. I've got, a, I've got an old International 300 tractor, and I bought brakes for it about three years ago. Uh, it doesn't have brakes. And uh, since, since I've been driving this tractor, and I, I like to get on this tractor and drive around, you know, it's, a, it, 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 it's, an, old, it, it's an old tractor, but it, it's, it runs good and it's nice, but it doesn't have brakes. I bought it from my son, Roy, and of course you know Roy. Roy believes in, 
he doesn't believe in stopping, in other words. He just, since I've, since I've had this, I've taken my mailbox down. I ran through the barn door one time. I took out two fences. Uh, <clears throat> I took out a big corner post uh, where I had set for a, a gate. Uh, <clears throat> there, are, there are times when you need to have breaks, but when it comes to the work of God and faith in God, <laughs> no, no, it's full steam ahead. Now, keep in mind, when I ran, I used the word ran through the barn. Actually, I was just barely moving. When you think of something running, you think of something going, Shh. I wasn't. I was barely moving. And it's an awesome feeling when you're just barely, the wheel's barely turning, and you think it's going to stop before it gets to the door, and it does not stop. And the old tractor just keeps going, going, going. You see the door bend back, 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 back. And you don't have the ability to stop, and I'm trying to change gears, and I can't get it. I can't get it out of gear. And guess what it does? All of a sudden, the barn door goes boom. Pushes out, and the tractor stops. I think, why did it stop just the moment before? Now, <clears throat> and then last winter, I was plowing. We got all that snow plowing around my mailbox, and I got everything all plowed out and clean. But there was a clump of snow about this big right up against the mailbox post. Now, what possessed me to take that little clump out? I don't know. It looked, looked better than any of the other neighbors' area anyway, but i got to take that out. Would you believe I drove up there, and this tractor just barely creeping, and it touched the mailbox post, and I'm here to tell you, it just went boom like this. It broke off. I'm, and it stopped. I'm sitting in my on that tractor looking at me. Here's my mailbox flat on. I just got out. I was so disgusted. I went and just stuck it up in a snowbank. We had so much snow, and you know, it, it stayed there till the thaw. <clears throat> then one day we didn't get any mail. <clears throat> was laying on the ground, the postman. You know, the postmen are not like they used to be. They won't get out of their car. Put it on the ground. <clears throat> well, there are certain things, you know, that, man... <clears throat> But when it comes to God, your faith in God, it's believe God. Don't put the brakes on God. Don't rebel against God. And for someone to come along with encouraging words saying, look, God can help you. And you're saying, no, God can't help me. No, He can't do anything for me. Oh, yes, He can. And then notice it says, neither fear ye the people of the land. And a lot of times we say no because we think the task is too great. I've actually known of people that, that wouldn't, they wouldn't give their heart to God and wouldn't trust in God because they were afraid of what their relatives would say. Have you ever heard of that? Oh, yeah. And, or they were afraid of what some friends would say. Instead of trying to introduce their friends to Jesus and their relatives to Jesus, they were saying, no, I don't want a greater relationship with Jesus because I'm afraid of what somebody will do or somebody will say. So don't rebel against God and don't fear the people. My, my, my. This man had a different spirit. He was a different kind of man. He just believed God. He believed that all the promises of God were yea and they were amen. Now, what I want to talk to you about is something I mentioned uh, Friday night in, in a Bible study. If you have your Bibles, turn with me to 
the book of Ephesians, the fourth chapter, verse verse 20, uh, 23. <clears throat> There's a lot of scriptures that we could actually read. Let's back up to verse 22. <clears throat> After a while, I'll be backed up to the first of the chapter. I heard a preacher one time preaching, and he, he was backing up. <laughs> he was talking about how great God was and what God could do. And, and he started in the New Testament, and he's talking about John the Baptist. He said, I'm telling you, John the Baptist was a great man, but, but then as he began to preach, but he said, but, but before John there was, and, and he kept backing up, and he kept backing up, and he kept backing up, and, and what he was going to do is go all the way back to God to say that, you know, God was the, was the source, the primary source that made everybody great. But what he, he got so excited about what he was saying, and this was on the radio down south. I happened to come from the south. But what happened was he backed all the way back up to, to, uh, uh, to Adam, and I wondered what he was going to do. And, and, and then, then he got on God and spoke, spoke about God. And, it, and then he said, but before God there was, I mean, he was going wide open. And then he said, whoop, 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 whoop. Oh, I'm sorry. He said, I've already backed out of the book. He said, I backed all the way out of the Bible. Now, <clears throat> there, are, there are so many things in the Bible concerning what I'm talking about. So many lessons. Listen to this. In verse 22. That you put off concerning the former conversation of the old man. That's the behavior of the old man. Which is corrupt according to deceitful lust. And be renewed in the spirit of your mind. Romans 12, verse 1 and 2. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, wholly acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. And be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind. Now, if you want to be a different kind of person, that's what you have to do. You have to let God change your mind. Let God rejuvenate. Let God give you strength. Let God give you power. Let God talk to you. Oh, that's so important. But be renewed in the spirit of your mind that ye, that ye put on the new man which, is after, which after God is created in righteousness and truth holiness. Wherefore, putting away lying, speak every man truth with his neighbor, for we are members one of another. And be ye angry and sin not, and let not the sun go down upon your wrath, neither give place to the devil. But him, let him that stole steal no more, but rather labor. We're just going to stop there. Basically what he's saying is that we need to be renewed in our mind and renewed in our spirit. Because what happens is when we are not that way and the old corrupt man rises up within us, we begin to act and carry out a role which is not productive and a role which... It's very cursed and saddened that brings heartache and sorrow and, and, and saddens us or even brings about death. And he said, don't let the sun go down upon your wrath. In other words, every day, what a, before the sun set, make sure that you're, you're clear inside so that, so that the new man can, can, can live, uh, the, the regenerated man can live, the man that, that God has talked to his mind can live. And this is what he said, neither give place to the devil. In other words, don't let the devil set up a stronghold in your thinking. You can do that by living 
the unrighteous life, the, the rebelling against God, doubting against God. You can do that. In fact, uh, in Pergamos, uh, there's a letter written in Revelation 2 to the church in Pergamos. <clears throat> in Revelation 2, verse 12, And to the angel of the church in Pergamos write, These things saith he which hath a sharp sword with two edges. Two edges. I know thy works where thou dwellest, even where Satan's seed is. Now, if you notice the latter part of this, who was slain among you where Satan dwelleth. The truth of the matter is that, that churches sometimes can become strongholds of Satan. Now, let me just point out something. I do not believe that any church that prays and fasts and seek God, that Satan can set up his kingdom in that church. I don't believe that. But I do believe that churches can limit God, and this is a stronghold for Satan. Now, let me, let me point out for some, something to you. I doubt very seriously that any of you have ever had a confrontation with Satan himself. I do not believe that Satan is omnipresent. Now, I believe that he has many demons, and I believe that those demons can visit you. But I will say this, I do believe with all my heart that Christians today, especially those that know God and the power of the Holy Ghost, place too much emphasis on Satan and not enough emphasis on the promises of God. Now, I, I go so far as to say this. Every week, we have close to 100 people fasting. Every week. We pick a day, and somebody fasts that day. We have approximately 100 people per week fasting. We have people that come in here in early morning. Some come in late at night. And we have pre-service prayer. There's a group that meets in here at 4 o'clock on Sunday. And they pray and they seek the Lord. Now, I'm going to go so far as to say this. Unless you personally bring Satan with you to church, I believe Satan is a fool to show up here. I believe that with all my heart. I believe that prayer and praise and worship can drive out enemy forces. And you may say, well, I came to church and Satan talked to me. It's because you brought him. But if you listen to God, you see, I believe that, that, that there are places that you may go in this world and you're on Satan's territory. When our children go down to the campus, this is the reason why I encourage those campus students, you must stay prayed up. You must stay filled with the power of the Holy Ghost. Why? Because there's a stronghold of Satan there. If you don't believe it, go down there. Listen to all the swearing. Listen to, li listen to the vocabulary. Listen to the lifestyle. Watch the lifestyle. See what happens. It's a stronghold of Satan. And some of you working on bus routes, you go into various areas and, and homes in which Satan has, has set up his kingdom. That's not true of all. But let me say this. I believe that this place is a sanctuary. It's a, it's a refuge. It's a place where people can come and they can feel the presence of the Lord. Oh, hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. And it needs to be that way. I believe that when 100 people fast per week and people go in the prayer room and they pray and they seek the Lord, why do you think Kelly... When she passed by, uh, Kelly Miller, when she passed by out on the road out here, God spoke to her and talked to her. And she came here. She said, I don't know why I came, but I could not get away from the voice of God. It's because that when she passed, 
Listen to me. You listen to me very carefully. I believe this with all my heart. The reason why, that in Azusa Street, at the turn of the century in Los Angeles, when people even entered into the property area, people were slain of the power of the Holy Ghost. Uh, they came under the influence of God. I believe there are certain places that Satan don't dare come. He would not come. Oh, hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Praise God, praise God. I believe that. And I believe when we get in the house of God, we need to stop thinking about Satan and we need to start thinking about God and all the good things that God can do. God, give us a different kind of man. Give us a different kind of person. A person who can enter in the presence of God and say all the promises of God are yea and they are amen. And we're going to believe God. The promised land, the victory is yours. Praise God. I believe that with all my heart. Let's give the Lord a big hand. Oh, hallelujah. Where Jesus is, anything is possible. Just give us, give us people with different spirits, different attitudes, different kind of men, different kind of women. Praise God. And I believe that you should strive to make your home that way. There is a time when you need to go through your home and you need to take all the materials in your home, the books in your home. I'm talking about books that have filthy language and things of this nature. Everything that you have in your home and clean it out. In other words, don't let it be a stronghold of Satan. Don't let Satan get a hold in your home. You need to go through that home just like we went through the church here. Did you know that Friday night we went through, we anointed the organ with oil and we anointed the piano with oil and the pulpit was anointed with oil and, and the chairs that you sit in are anointed with oil. You may say, oh, pastor, you really believe that? Listen, I believe, I believe with all my heart that the presence of Almighty God is here today. And I believe that Satan would be a fool to come around such a place unless you personally bring him. In other words, I believe with all my heart that right here in the house of God, this is the best place that you can be delivered and set free from your stinking thinking. I believe it. 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 Oh, hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Go through your home and say, this is not going to be a stronghold of Satan. Lay your hands on all the furniture and everything in there. Magnify God. Worship God. Lift up His name. Praise Him. Put your Bible here and there. Praise God. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Hallelujah, hallelujah. But see, you can resort back to the thinking of the world. Satan can get a stronghold. Now please understand when I say, I, I don't, see, I don't think Satan comes to church every service. I think he only comes in the hearts and lives and minds of certain people. And he is confined only to that person or that area. But I believe the, the possibility of you being free from that is very, very great when you're in the presence of this many people that know how to love God and praise God. Oh, hallelujah. Hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. Have you ever gone into a place where people were unsaved and you began to 
you begin to witness and you begin to seek the Lord and the power of God comes down. That happened to Sister Grant and I yesterday. was talking to a lady and she just found out as a pastor and she said, my granddaughter has leukemia. Would you please pray? And we began to talk to this lady. She, she, she works seven days a week. She does not know how she can go to church. And we encouraged her. We're like, Where you are then? Start praising the Lord. She said, I've been talking to God. I've been trying my best to believe God. I'm not a church-going person. And would you believe that all of a sudden, I'm here to tell you, Brother Washburn, I felt the cleansing touch of the Holy Ghost right there in that place of business. I felt that God was clearing that out. I mean, I could feel it. The Holy Ghost was moving out of me and moving out of Sister Grant as we talked to her about her granddaughter. And as sure as I stand behind this pulpit, I believe that when we left, there was a ray of hope in her life. My granddaughter can be healed. She said, I'm going to call my granddaughter. And I, she's in Seattle. They're from Fairbanks, Alaska. I'm going to call Seattle. And I'm going to tell that we got people praying for you, hon. And this is what the world needs. Because the world has been so bound and bogged down with the thinking of Satan. But God is not slack concerning His promises. Not willing that any should perish. Caleb stood alone with Joshua. Those two men stood alone. And God took them over into the promised land. And I believe that God can take this church into a new dimension. More specifically, you into a new dimension this morning if you will rely upon Him, if you believe in Him, if you'll not rebel against God, while well, God's talking to you, if you'll just say, Yes, Lord, yes, Lord, I believe it. It might be in your own personal home or maybe the church where you attend that Satan has a stronghold and you don't feel what you feel here. Maybe in your home you don't feel what you feel here. But I'm, a, I'm here to tell you, you can, you can feel it. Hallelujah. I say you can feel it if you'll just change your mind and change your thinking. God put a different spirit in this man. This man said, I'm old. I'm old. I'm very old. I should not be out here fighting. A better judgment tells me I've got too much rheumatism, arthritis, aches and pains. But on the other hand, there's something inside this man that said, we're going to cross Jordan's River, and God promised me a hill up there that I could have, and I'm going to build my home on it. And I'm going to go in and I'm going to take it. And all these cowards. Could I say something? It takes a lot of guts to be a Christian. It takes a lot of guts to believe God. Why? Because there's so many voices that say otherwise. There's so many voices that say, it can't happen to you. It only happens to real spiritual people. You've heard that, haven't you? Satan ever told you that? Oh, yeah. Brother Grant, my, he can believe God and pray through a brick wall and march on. So can you. 
I say, so can you. I got to stop. The best way to stop is to stop. <clears throat> One young preacher, I talked to him about preaching too long. He says, I don't know how to stop. I said, well, it's very simple. You stop talking. <clears throat> I want you to stand with me today. <sighs> Caleb, the son of Jephunneh, Joshua, the son of Nun, entered into the promised land with all the little kids. They entered in. They took the hill. God's got a better place for you today to live than where you're living. God's got a high, lofty place for you to live. You can experience great victory in God. Some of you may have come this morning needing healing in your body. Maybe someone has told you, God doesn't heal anymore. Oh, yes, He does. My Bible tells me by His stripes we were healed. I believe that. What can God heal me of? Anything? Everything? Some of you may have come. Maybe you're bound with a lot of fears. Did you know that God can set you free of this? Last Sunday at our old-fashioned Sunday service, at the conclusion of this, had several people come and pray, and I talked with a young lady. Oh, she said, I'm bound up with so many fears. But the service, she said, gave her hope to believe. You know what she told me? I'm not saying this in a negative sense, but to prove the Word of God to be real and true. She said, I don't know why, but at our church, we're never told that through Jesus we can overcome these things. We're just told that we need professional counseling someplace. But she said, the problem is I can't afford it. Now what's she going to do? I believe that Jesus can set you free. I believe that. And then here's the subject of salvation. God can forgive you of any and all sins today. He can set you free. <clears throat> Keep the brakes off of God. <clears> oh. <throat> Bought brakes for that tractor, and I went and threw them up in a little cupboard in my barn. They're still there. <clears throat> After taking down two or three fences and knocking the barn door down and taking the mailbox down, Sister Grant says, when are you going to put brakes on? I said, well, I, there's nothing else to tear up now. <clears throat> I 
might as well just leave them off. Leave the brakes off of God. God can heal you, can deliver you, and he can save you. Caleb, different kind of man. As our praise singers sing, we're opening, opening the altar area here for you to come and pray. On both sides of the pulpit and immediately in front, you can come and stand or kneel. We'd be glad to minister to you if you have a need. We'd be glad to lay hands on you for deliverance. We'd be glad to anoint you with oil if you're sick. We'd gather around you and pray for you if you need forgiveness of sins and you need to be filled with the gift of the Holy Ghost. Who'd like to be the first one to step out today and come and surrender their life to the Lord? Come on right now. to walk with Him means everything to me. Whoa. 